All right. And we'll, well, thank you. Let's have a hand clap for Doug. As a matter of fact, I, I just wanted to start off today by thanking Doug, who's nursed me through many a technical glitch uh, here. So thank you. Uh, there were a few hours put into the slides, but we could go without them. Praise God. I think the Apostle Paul didn't have slides, so um, I'm sure that God will empower his word no matter what. But it is nice to have, have the slides. So thank you, Brother Doug. All right. So marking Colossians 3 as we will be referring to it quite a bit today. Um, but before we get into the master text in Colossians, I'd like us to recall the situation from the book of Judges. Do you remember that? Every 40 years or every generation or so, the people would forget about God, and then all kinds of evil would come down upon them, and sufferings, and oppressions of all kind, and they would then cry back out to God, and then what would God do? He would send a deliverer back out to them and uh, deliver them in their generation. But in every generation, the Lord has raised up certain individuals called judges in the Old Testament. They are instruments to deliver God's people. So that he took ordinary men and women uh, to do his mighty acts of deliverance, ordinary women like you and me. God is still in the delivery business, even to this generation. So today I have an encouraging message. First of all, today you will know without a doubt that God sent me to tell you one thing, that He loves you. God loves you. That's the message. But I have even more encouraging news. He loves you. He has chosen you to do something, and He will reveal it to you. If you come close to God, God will come close to you. This is an encouraging message today. It's about breaking through to your calling and unlocking your potential to make a difference for Christ in your generation. You were born for such a time as this. So stand with me and let's honor God in the reading of His Word. Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 14. And we will um, have a long master text today, but this is the Holy Spirit's direction. Colossians chapter 3, 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the Lord of the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, 
not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. For whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. All God's people say, Amen. Amen. And we will move on here to a different slide, and hopefully it'll be steady for us today. Well, in life... As I said, today's message is about God choosing you out. He has loved you from eternity on in, and He has made you in such a way that there's only certain things that you will be able to do in His plan. But you have to love Him, and He will love you. He will come to you. He's loved you first. He's wanting you to reciprocate And He will reveal the desires of your heart to you. And you will be able to do something in His kingdom. The reason that people today seem so confused and they don't have a center is they want to center their lives on themselves. But the people of God have to center their life on God. So the the questions pertaining to life are pretty common. Who am I? What's my purpose? How did I end up here? And what am I supposed to do? What's my calling? But what I will challenge today is that there's a logical and spiritual best order to go about this. And the best, perhaps, best first question to ask ourselves isn't so much about the what or the who, but the where. Where am I? We all have this in common. Wherever we go, there we are. We have other things in common, but we got that one for sure, right? And I got good news for you. You can get away from me if you want to. But wherever you go, there you will be. And that is exactly where God meets you. God meets you where you are. He meets you In the physical world, wherever you go on the map, you can't get away from Him. But even more so, God is more concerned with where your heart goes. Where does your heart go? Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure? This is how we know what God has planned for us. Through our heart. Colossians 3, 15 and 16. Look at the words I colored here. And by the way, if you have your bulletin, the clues are underlined in italics text there, so it should be a blank in your bulletin. The first step for discovering your calling is taken on the inside. On the inside. It's an inner journey. Let the peace of Christ rule where? In your heart. And you were what? You were called to one body. Be thankful. Let that word dwell in you richly. Not just dwell in you. Dwell in you richly. And again, thankfulness in your heart. 
You know, all believers, and this is God's promise to you, Acts 2.38, when you come to God, God comes to you and He puts His Holy Spirit in you. That's a reality. Every, every Christian has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but not every Christian allows the Holy Spirit to reign richly within them. They choke the Spirit. He wants more. But you have to give him the space to operate. You got to want him. It's an inward journey. Where am I? That's my best first question. Where am I? Where am I with God? Can God be pleased with me for trying to align myself with him? You bet he can. Every time. This is how we get to find our calling. Discovering your special calling entails aligning with God. Be the one like David, the one after God's very own heart, and he will move you to a higher place. Amen. So, where am I? We have a check. Not that we've discussed that in its full depth, but we've discussed it enough for the message the Lord's prepared today. So I'll put a check mark on that. But who am I? Oh, okay, so now we get a progression. I know where I am with God, then I know who I am. This is for every Christian. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Identity crisis solved. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. You do not have an identity crisis. Knowing God's special calling for you. You are righteous. This is where the world has it completely backwards. Their attempt to answer the question, who am I, is based on human philosophy and human psychology that sets you on a path to self-awareness and self-discovery. Hey, we have a heart problem. I don't want to discover just how bad it is. Amen? The only way to find yourself is through the cross of Jesus Christ. We are not our own. We are bought at a price. Your entire being and your entire identity is in the Lord. Amen. When Joshua, that great man that took over from Moses, when Joshua stood on the edge of the promised land, God said for Joshua to meditate on his word. Then he said, this word should not leave your lips. Meditation requires and involves declaration. It's not sitting around and thinking and rocking back and forth, although you may do that. But when you read God's word, put it in your heart and speak God's word, you're releasing power in your life. And for somebody who remembers your past and wants to rub it in your nose, this is where God's Word comes in. They want to brand you with some label, but God's already put His brand on you. So let's practice meditating on God's Word together. Don't listen to the world. Listen to God. I, say this with me. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Say this with me. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ.
Whose child are you? I am God's child. I am God's child. Say this with me. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now say that to yourself every day. Wake up and say that. Go to bed and say that. Don't listen to what somebody else labels you. God labeled you. All right? You say it, declare it, meditate on it, and profess it. And here's, here's the big one. The devil will want to bring up your past failures. Oh, he tried to get me even this morning. Tried to get me in a dream last night. Tried to get me this morning when I'm preparing God's Word. But praise God, you don't have to listen to that. He's a liar. God gave you power. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. He must get behind you. He's a liar. You know, I told him I am a creation, a new creation, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's who you are. That's your identity. There is no identity crisis, and don't let anybody tell you any different. This is how God sees you, and this is who you are. Meditate on your identity and profess it every day, and God will show you the desire of your heart, and He will put you firmly on the path that He has placed for you because you have placed yourself in a position to receive from God. All right. So another... um, common question pertaining to life is what's my purpose what's the meaning behind it all well the answer to this question is the same for every believer actually the answer to this question is the same for everyone ever born your purpose for existing is to glorify God through Jesus Christ The scriptures are so complete with this that I can't list them all. But Paul puts it this way in our master text. He says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. Elsewhere, Paul says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And the apostle Peter says this. He says, as each has received a gift, that is a calling, use it to serve one another. Why? In order that in everything God may be glorified in Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. But the apostles didn't come up with that notion all by themselves. That is God's glory is our purpose. That notion was revealed to them from the Lord Jesus Christ, who said in Matthew 5.16, Let your light shine before God. And it looks like I have to move a little faster or this thing times out or something, but we'll get through it. All right, we, we got them back. All right, so, um, so they may see uh, your works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That's 5.16. Why do the good works? So that you give glory to God that's in heaven. That's your purpose and mine. And you know, shining the light isn't always that dripping sweet persona. Oh, you know, it's okay. It's okay to be nice. We're supposed to be nice. But it's not always that. The light isn't always about nice. The light is always about truth. So it's not the shining light is always a dripping sweet persona or what the world thinks of as being polite, but the light concerned with the truth. Jesus warned us, 
that the world loves darkness more than the light. So shining your light in the darkness isn't going to be easy. But even if you're the only one in the room shining your light, stand firm on the truth of God's plan. You'd rather stand firm on the truth of God's plan rather than politely submitting to public opinion. Amen. Praise God. Shining our light in a dark world is to stand up for children that are being abused or children that are being deceived. Standing up and putting your light out there isn't going to be easy because you're going to find opposition. Someone's going to want to squelch your light. But anything worth doing is rarely easy. We are commanded to not keep our light hidden. So it's not optional. But no matter the cost, that inner journey mentioned earlier, that inner light needs to manifest itself outwardly wherever you go. And wherever you go is usually going to be at home, work, school, Best Buy. That's where I was yesterday. And Chick-fil-A. So I think I covered all the necessary bases, right? All right. You know, if we're going to be our best for Christ in public, shouldn't we be our best for Him in private? I thought so. Then we need to be our best for Christ in our own homes, don't you think? I think so. If you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Again, it's not always going to be easy. Try not to make eye contact with your spouse. That's <laughs> hot in here. Let's <laughs> get a fan going. Men. Men, I'm talking to you, you manly men of Blessed Life Fellowship. The expanded version of this master text is found in Ephesians. And don't mind me if I click this. I've got to keep it from doing the weird thing, so I'm, I'm clicking my slides. Um, the, the, the long version in Ephesians 5, I, I, I think you need to go home, and that's the, the manly men homework for the day. It says the men need to love their wives and, and to, put a, to put a mark on it, a measure, as Christ loved the church. Woo! Man, that isn't going to be easy. But you know, if you want to, if you want to please God, then you're going to want to follow His command, and He will reveal to you what He means by that. He will. But that's the expanded version, Ephesians 5. Don't ignore God's Word. Go home and read that for yourself, manly men. Ladies, lady warriors, Treat your husbands with dignity and respect. That's what the Word says. Treat them with dignity and respect. Kids, honor and respect your parents and obey them. Parents, be consistent with your children so they don't get confused and discouraged. Don't let something be okay one day and it's not okay the next. Make all your decisions based on what God says is okay and just stand there and your child will learn to respect you and you won't be wearing them out by changing your mind all the time. That's just the Word of God. You glorify God and you discern your calling when you put into practice what He has taught you with the very people that surround you the most and that you're closest to. 
But we all offend or stumble from time to time. So always be ready to forgive. If you can't start forgiveness in your own house, how are you going to do it anywhere else? Be ready to forgive. Everyone's got issues and flaws. And remember, as Peter charged us, write this one on your heart. Peter said it, and as is quoting verbatim, keep loving one another earnestly because love covers a multitude of sins. If my wife has sinned, I want to cover her sin. She's covered in Jesus Christ, and I'm going to love her, and we're just going to get through it and move on because God doesn't want you dwelling on your sin. Jesus already paid for all your sins. He's paid for me to love and for you to love one another. That's how you find God's calling on your life. So, God reveals His truth to people um, in the body of Christ. It's an absolute truth when it comes to serving the body of Christ that everyone can do something. Again, just like our purpose is to glorify God, there's too many New Testament passages that make the point clear. I can't put them all on the board, but the point is abundant that everyone is needed in the body and everyone has a function in the body. Pastor Rob Hurt, over at Come As You Are Ministries here in Columbus, he said to me, he said, Brent, I was talking to him about this topic. He said, Brent, he said, you know, if someone tells you I'm just a toenail in the body of Christ, then ask them to talk to someone who's ever had their toenail torn off or removed for any reason. It hurts. And it's going to affect your entire body. It's going to affect the way you walk, probably affect how far you go and where you go. Yeah. Now it changes the whole perception of what it means to be a toenail in the body, doesn't it? I want my toenail to show up. If we're doing everything is under the Lord, wouldn't that especially apply to the church? If we do everything in the Lord, it applies to coming into God's community and doing something in the community of Christ. So if you think you're a toenail, be the best toenail anyone has ever had. Be the poster child for a healthy, strong, and well-manicured toenail. And if they have toenail models for magazines, be a toenail model. But bear in mind that Serving in God's house positions you to find your calling. Vlad Subject, is, uh, he's not alone when he says, um, when he says that he did not get a special re revelation from God until he got busy doing the work of the church. Wow, Keith Moore? I've heard him say the same thing. You know, such is the testimony of many anointed and prominent men and women who preach and teach on TV and write the books we read. And if that's what happened for them, they got busy doing the work in the church, and then God gave them the revelation and put them on the path and the calling that He had for them, if that was their experience, then why would we think it would be any different for us? 
are we really that much more special than the other of God's saints that he puts on the path and the calling and has anointed with his blessing? God's going to speak to you here. I'm not saying he's only going to speak to you through your service at church. I'm saying there are multiple ways. He's going to speak to you from your service at home. He's going to speak to you first in your service to him, just in your relationship as a child to him. And say, Daddy, I love you. I want to spend time with you. I want to know what you say. I want you to teach me what you do. I want to do what you do. I want to be like you. Then he's going to start talking to you about more things. He said, you know what Daddy does? Here's what I do. And that's going to move you. So God will use you and He'll communicate His calling on your life everywhere. And we spend a lot of time at work, don't we? Most of us do. Usually we think of it as the 8 to 5, 9 to 5, whatever it is. There's a song Dolly Parton has. I'm not going to get into that. All right. But we're working for a living, right? Yeah. So when you go to work or school, remember to work with sincerity of heart, out of reverence for the Lord. That's what our master text says. Colossians 3, 22 and 23. I ask you to keep it open. Glance down and look at it. See what it says. It says to work with sincerity of heart as a reverence for the Lord. And you know what? God himself does excellent work. That's basic to the character of God. The opening of the Bible finds God at work in creation. And all of creation testifies to the glory of God. And his pinnacle of creation is you. A human being. You glorify your God who created you. God does excellent work. He didn't make junk when he made you. He made the best you that you can be. He loves you. He poured it all out for you. That's how you get to know God. God does excellent work. Jesus said, in, in John 5, 17, Jesus said, um, My Father is working to this day, and I also am working. It's in His character. Work is a gift from God to man. Why? We're in His image. If that's how Daddy is, then that's how the kids should be. So it's important for us to note, work isn't the curse in Genesis. God assigned work to Adam before the curse. Genesis 2.15, he put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. What the father does, the son will do. The curse came on because of, of the disbelief, and so now the blessing of God got tarnished. The soil, it was, was Adam wasn't making the soil grow. It already grew. He was just pruning and keeping and maybe, maybe positioning things. I don't know what all keeping the paradise is. Adam knew. But then the curse was, hey, instead of this creative work that you get to do, now you have to start from the ground up, get it to here, just to get where I had you already. I had you on the advanced scale, and I'm, now you go, it's like shoots and ladders. Right? shooting all the way back. Well, now he's got to waste, seriously, feeling like wasting time. He's battling a curse. So that's what happened. 
but the work itself is a blessing from God. And that's because we're created in God's image. You know, uh, while a carpenter is building a house, the house is building the carpenter. I can assure you that when I was working on this lesson, this lesson was working on me. And so it goes. Another reason God gifted us with work is because we learn by doing. We learn by doing, and by doing, we can find and fulfill our calling. God gave Noah, as an example, we learn by doing. God gave Noah the blueprint for the ark and the reason for building it, but Noah and his sons built the ark to God's glory. God called Abraham to be a father of a nation, but Abraham and Sarah had to produce its first citizen to God's glory. God gave Solomon a blueprint for a temple and talented people for constructing the temple, but Solomon and the people constructed the temple to God's glory. God gave his son the mission of atoning for our sins. And his son did the work on the cross to the glory of God the Father. That's our pattern. Whatever we do, do it heartily. Not unto men, but as unto the Lord. And He will bless it. And He will multiply it. And He will show you the desires of your heart. And He may use your craft to lead you to a higher place. Likewise, then, we do our work with excellence. And I... You ever get funny thoughts? Well, I don't... Never mind. Strike the question. All right, let's go back. You ever get something in your head and you can't get it out of your head? Well, that happened to me when I was here. Like, I started noodling on something and it just wouldn't let me go. So it's like, do everything you do with excellence. And then I got to thinking about that story in the gospel of Mary, we're told her name, Mary who anointed Jesus, and she broke an alabaster jar that was full of pure spikenard, which was a hugely expensive essential oil and very fragrant, very costly. Do you remember that story? Yeah. Well, you know, I got to thinking. There were thousands of people that made jars. And there were hundreds of perfumers in Israel that mixed spikenard. Was it just by random that they went and got a bottle off the shelf at Walgreens to bring to Jesus? Some human hands made that jar, and human hands prepared the essential oils that anointed Jesus. Let's do our work like we're making that jar. And let's do our work like we're mixing that perfume to anoint the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that will please the Lord and position us to know more about His will and His calling in our life. Excellent work glorifies God. It may also be the means by which we discover our special calling. So we have three check marks. Where am I? Who am I? What's my purpose? What is the special calling he keeps talking about? What is it? Well, you know, it's a faith journey. 
I, st I, I still haven't gotten my certified letter in the mail that says, Brent, this is your calling. <laughs> You're not going to get one. God's not going to use, well, he may because I have a testimonial to give. I think there's something about the post office, but don't count on the post office to deliver your calling. That might be a rare one. The Bible has a lot to say about your calling. It, it talks first about, you know, your inner journey. Where are you with God? What's your identity? You know, you're in Jesus Christ. Your purpose is to glorify your Creator. Your special calling then. How to find your calling by Vlad Subject, pastor of Next Generation Church. I put a URL here. I'm happy to share my slides, I share my manuscripts, anything with you that you want about today's sermon. And if I do, you can get this URL. I encourage you to get it and look at this and listen to what he has to say. But before we move into that special calling, that's the column on the right, the calling that says up for eternity under there. And then the career over here. Now, oftentimes in the Bible, we think of that's one and the same for Moses, right? That was one and the same for Jesus, maybe one and the same for many of the individuals. Like, hey, their calling is their career. That's what they do. But for most people, it's not. For most people, they have a day job to make money and a different service or ministry that they maintain separately but connectedly. One enables the other. So Vlad Subject wanted to make sure that we had this discussion on the distinction between the two. And, and so he first notes that your career or your job or your occupation or your profession is for money. But your special calling is for eternity. For example, Paul had a full-time calling as an apostle to the Gentiles. But as a job, Paul made tents. Paul made tents to make money. I guarantee that's why he did it. But he also probably was shining his light with the other tent makers when he was in the tent maker station, whatever they go to, right? So he clocks in, hey, I'm here, I'm making the tents. Hey, have you heard about the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm going to make my tent. And, uh, hey, Paul, why are you always so upbeat? Well, let me tell you why I'm always upbeat. You know, he's doing two or three or four things at one time, but he had a day job. He said he didn't want to be a burden wherever he went. There, he had hotel expenses when he went to a town. He had to inconvenience somebody. He had to buy his food. So, uh, I think I have to try to get this back. <clears throat> Thank you for your patience with the, uh, with the video here. But uh, our, our own pastor is the same way. You know, have you heard pastors say that he works all week to pay for his preaching habit on the weekend? <laughs> but he does. And you know, by doing that, he's releasing more funds back into the kingdom for these missions that Pam was talking about earlier. For the work of the kingdom. So there's a distinction. Money for eternity. Your career, by and large, it's a natural thing. But your calling is a supernatural thing. Your career, your job requires training. Your calling requires anointing. You're not going to find that at Purdue unless God has sent His person to anoint you at Purdue. Right? 
I'm sorry, I wasn't picking on Purdue. You're not going to find it anywhere, even in a, in a Bible college, unless God anoints you in the Bible college. That's how it works. All right. And career is decided. You get, by and large, get to pick. I've had two or three of them. You know, one didn't like me, and it got rid of me, and then I didn't like one, and I got rid of it, and then the third one seemed to work out fine. So that's the way it works. But your calling is discerned. Your calling is discovered. And it's, a, it's precisely that point. Being excellent in your full-time occupation, being excellent in the church, being excellent at home, that's your general calling. And it's faithfulness in your general calling that positions you to discern or receive your special calling. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 say that if you do what you do, out of reverence for the Lord, then you're serving Him and you're doing His will. If you devote yourself, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desire of your heart. You know, one thing I pray for my wife and my children, Lord, they love you. Grant them to know your will for their life. Grant them to discover that thing that you have. Grant them to find the desire of their heart. And you can pray that for your family as well. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desire of your heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I want to talk about fuller context, and we're getting close um, here to, uh, to, to closing. But before I do, I want to talk a little bit about reading in biblical context. Colossians 3, 5, and 6, people cling to it for, for knowing the path. You know, your path is a calling, right? If I'm walking in a certain place, I hope I'm walking to where God's calling me because otherwise I'm walking to where He's not calling me. Right? So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Well, if He makes you a straight path, you're supposed to walk on that. Well, surely the goodness, that's your calling. Here's the thing. It's different for you than it is for me. But He's going to make your path straight. Right? He loves you. He wants you to be happy. He knows you're not going to be happy doing something you don't really want to do. He wants to put you on a path where you and He are working together. But look at the bigger context of that when you get a chance. Verses 3 and 4 say, first, verses 3 and 4 say, bind steadfast love and faithfulness around your neck and write them on your heart. Then you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. You will find, through love and faithfulness, you will find good success in the sight of God. Surely that's God's way of communicating your special service and validating that you're on the right road. And I would like for you, for the next one, let's go to Romans 12 and uh, let's go there, open your Bibles with me or go on your device. Reading in context and getting the fuller picture. 
You know, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is very famous when it comes to how we're supposed to be to align ourselves to know the will of God. Because one of my brothers, I think his brother Bill Frank has said from time to time, God's will is all over the Bible. It's true. God's will is everywhere. That's what His Word's all about, what God wants, what God wills. God for... God so loved the world that He's not willing that anyone would perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. That's His will. That's God's will. We'll just let this uh, spin over here. Um, I was just going to let, the, let it go, but I got it back. Um, in, in 12, 1 and 2, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, uh, by the mercy of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. That's put your, your whole self into God. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's God's word, God's way. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is a good and acceptable and perfect? That's your path. That's your calling. So what's new, unique, and different about this? As he's talking not about his general will for everybody, but he's talking to you. Notice the next verses. Notice what the next verses say. He goes immediately from saying, test to know the will of God by being in and all about God. He immediately then starts talking about gifts and abilities. Gifts of grace. That's what mine says right here. Verse 3. Alright? It goes on and says down here in verse 5, um, though we are many, we are one body in Christ, and individually you, each one of you, um, members of one another. We're all interconnected. Then it says, having gifts that differ in according to the grace of given to us. Your gift is different from my gift. There might be four with the same gift. Might be just the one. We don't know. Well, but God knows. And it says, let us, it says, having the gift, according to the gift that God has given us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to your faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching and the one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. You know, being a philanthropist, being a giver, of being a financial supporter is a gift for some people. That's because God can trust them to give, to move the money. That's their gift. The one who leads, lead with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy, do them with cheerfulness. Aligning yourself with God talks specifically about what He wants to do with you for His kingdom for the rest of your life. I better move this slide before it moves me. All right. So I'm going to pick up the pace here and um, we're getting, uh, getting closer to our final point. And I have a testimony today and I want to make sure I get to it because it's, it's, the testimony is the sermon. Let me just put it that way. All right. So, but... In this journey, let's pay attention to God's people. That's what the church is for. You remember in the story of the book of Acts, 
There's Simon the Tanner who lived by the sea. That wasn't, he wasn't Tanner because he sat out by the sea. He was tanning hides. Now, those if you're old enough for me, you've probably had your hide tan. Now you've got to go to prison for that. I'm all confused. I'm all over the place. Simon the Tanner, who lived by the sea, and Simon Peter, who was visiting some few miles away. An angel appeared to Simon the Tanner and said, you need to hear something from Simon Peter. And what Peter had to tell him was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you. He died for you. Do you believe? If you do, let's get, get baptized. But they got baptized first by the Holy Spirit. You remember that story? It's a great story. Why didn't the angel just tell him? Because God uses people to do His business. He gave this kingdom to His people. The angel could have easily said, hey, do you know about Jesus? I'm an angel. Look at me. Now you got to believe. Where's the faith in that? You're saved by faith, by grace, through faith. Right. So God uses His people. The Lord uses people to communicate His plans for you as well. You've already been saved. You've, you've got the Word of God. But God can use His people to start directing you into a path that God has called for you. His people can confirm a path for you. The, the, the Scripture says that there was a prophecy spoken about Timothy. Timothy had to pay attention. It doesn't say what the prophecy said, but I can tell you what the prophecy said. Timothy was going to be Paul's understudy. Timothy was going to be the next Paul. Timothy had been gifted with the knowledge of God's Word and the ability to minister God's Word to the Gentiles. Surely that was the prophecy that was spoken over Timothy. Um, <clears throat> you know, in a way, that kind of communication happened for me through my brother, Doug Bringle. Years ago, it's hard to say that now, it just seems like yesterday, but it was several years ago, um, because of the friendship between Samara and Lily, Doug and I hadn't really met, and he came to pick her up one day, and uh, we came in and uh, got to talking, and I had just like one of those Holy Spirit type of experiences, a, a Holy Spirit connection, I think, you know, in our conversations, Doug, you've said the same thing. You felt there was a Holy Spirit connection there. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details of what he said, but he was saying things to me, and I was going, wait, somehow I, like I have pre-knowledge of this, but I've never heard of this before. Long story short, he mentioned this place, and here I'm standing, and not that this standing here is my full calling in life, but it validates my passion in my heart. My God put a passion in my heart for His Word. He didn't put a passion in my heart to preach His Word so much. He didn't put a, a passion in my heart to, to do much else other than to read it. I can't get enough of reading it. I, could, I tell this in the men's group. I can, I can read chapter 1 of Ephesians, get done, go back to verse 1 of chapter 1, read it again, and never be bored. I praise God. That's, my, that's a gift. I don't know what else to say. But this is a validation, and it came through the word of a brother in Christ 
who didn't know what he was saying to me, but he knew and was prompted by the Holy Spirit, and I listened because I could, I could sense something. I think he had aligned himself closely with God to be God's agent, and I had aligned myself close enough to recognize God's agent. Amen? And I know you know what I'm talking about. Enough said. Plus, I have to get these next slides. Yeah, it's not official if it's not on a slide. You know that, right? Okay, what are you passionate about? What lights your fire? That might be telling you something about where God... He, he's wired you. You're wired a certain way. You can deny it all you want, but God made you unique. He wired you the way you're wired, and when it comes to your calling, pay attention to the way you're wired. What fires you up? What really gets you going? So, what um, some people in our congregation we know are zealous for education. Some people in this congregation are zealous in the field of politics and local politics at that. Some are passionate about cooking. What about music? Some folks are passionate about serving. And my heart really goes to someone whose calling is serving. My mom has that. Oh, she's the best. She is, she's got such a servant's heart. And that ministers to everybody. That ministers to everybody. That's what I believe would be her calling. But not everyone's going to have the same passions. Well, you know, if, if it's aviation, someone's going to have to fly people from point A to point B. Jesus had a passion. Jesus entered the earth as a man on a mission. There has never been a shepherd so passionate about his sheep. Paul's passion was Jesus. Paul said this, I have been crucified with Christ. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. You know, when you're a preacher of the gospel to the Gentiles, isn't it nice to have Jesus to be your passion? It is. Not to count God's Word as fueling him. Because Paul's past experience had prepared him. He was an expert in the Scriptures. Then we can consider George Frederick Handel. His passion was music. But he was a failure. In 1741, he was a failure. He was bankrupted. He was in physical pain. And he was a victim of a plot to sabotage his career. Shining your light's not an easy thing. He had one final farewell appearance in London in April of that year. And it looked like done. Then one of God's special agents showed up. This special agent from Dublin presented Handel with an opportunity to write a symphony that would help free men from a debtor's prison. And having the Christian heart, that's all it took. Handel began composing like a man obsessed. And by the way, I've got this story from a bio on his life. These are not all my own words. Handel began composing like a man obsessed. He rarely left his room, rarely touched his meal, but in 24 days composed 200 
60 pages of what would be his greatest work. You know it, Handel's Messiah. When he finished writing what would become known as the Hallelujah Chorus, he said, I think I did see all heaven before me and the great God himself. Handel died the day before Easter in 1759. A close friend said um, that he was hoping to meet his God, his sweet Lord and Savior, and that he died as he lived, a good Christian with a true sense of duty to God and to man, in perfect charity with all the world. Surely his passion was his calling, and his calling, his passion. Then there is S. Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, a devout Christian, um, whose faith had a major impact on the company and now a major impact on the world of chicken. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. But it's, a, it, it, it's had a huge impact on the world of business. Here's their mission statement. Mission statement, Chick-fil-A. To glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us. How many millions of people is that touching, right? His passion for business opened a door for thousands of young girls and boys to get an upstart in this life, to have a safe place for employment on their way to their own unique calling and development in life. So we've gone through the checks, and I'm excited about this next part. Um, we know that uh, stepping into your calling, God's going to reveal your calling. He's probably already done it for half or more or whatever. You may have had one. He put you in a different one. That works for you the way God works it for you. But you know that uh, getting your calling... Is a, you have to be the one to say yes. Moses tried to get out of his. Jeremiah tried to get out of his. Paul was knocked down on the road to Damascus because he was going the wrong way. Right? But you know, that's what, that's what it's like. It's different for everyone. It's going to be tailored to you. But the Bible makes it abundantly clear that... Your journey, you have to step into it. That first step, boom, is a step of faith. And every step after that, from the beginning of the Bible to the end, it's abundantly clear that your calling is a journey of faith from first to last. Journey of faith from first to last. But when you do, God partners with you all the way. Walls go tumbling down. Resources show up. Special people come and they prop you up at just a moment that you thought you were going to fall. And I have this testimony from J.R. Huff. J.R. has a mission. He's going to create a safe haven for children and teens. His mission is stated this way. To cultivate to cultivate the minds and guide the hearts of young people through rigorous, time-tested classical methods with instruction in moral character and civic virtue. Praise God, that's what he's doing. 
It's going to be called Liberty Academy of Columbus. And he's going K through 7 to get started. They're still looking for the location. It will launch in the fall of 2023. JR says the following. Talking to me, I interviewed him. He said, Brent, as we discussed, I never imagined I'd be going, be opening a school. I wasn't even in the realm of plans that I had made for my life. But all along my twisted road to where I am now, God provided me with, no, with not so subtle signposts to guide me on my journey. That's a man of faith. Ten years ago, I'd lost my job as a mortgage lender and I was unemployed for a year. God sent me a literal letter from myself that I had written when I was 18 at a summer camp. The letter outlined what my goals were going to be when I would turn 28. Sure enough, the letter painted a picture of me being married with children. Beautiful family right here. Hi, house. And uh, they've been with us for some while. Okay, but married with children and becoming a teacher. Now, he had been a bank lender, right? But now that he's got the downtime he discovered at 18, he wanted to be a teacher. Shortly thereafter, I was registered in a teaching prep program and graduated in 18 months, ready to take a classroom. All of this was in God's timing. I wasn't ready to take the classroom at 22. I doubt I would have lasted in my career if I had went directly into teaching at that point. Fast forward to our discussion the other night, and I was a tenured eight-year teacher looking at pursuing my administrative degree I had researched the most accessible program for our family situation at the time and was ready to apply. Then COVID happened. All of a sudden, there was this shift in administrative stance on several issues. Many policies being implemented by the district were in conflict with what I knew to be true and right, and I could no longer in good conscience make public school administration a goal. It was difficult to swallow because as a public school teacher, administration is the only real avenue for promotion. God, however, had placed a wonderful and loving woman by my side who had just the right expertise and confidence in me that I did not have in myself. Do you see the importance of shining your light in your home? Do you? That will help you find your calling, won't it? After some prodding, I began the process of researching how to open a private school in June of 2021. I felt as though this was what I was being prepared for all along. Before my education journey began, I had gotten an MBA, that's a Master's in Business Administration, which helped me feel prepared and understood the entrepreneurial enterprise that I would be undertaking. Now God's going to use his MBA to help him do education, right? I wrote a full business plan, began looking for people to join the team, and no one came. I presented our idea to several families in the area that we felt were of like mind, and everyone wished us good luck, but no one offered support. October came to pass, and I was disheartened, that I had misread the signs and that I was plunging myself into a pursuit that would end in folly. 
Then God brought a very interested family to our door. Sound familiar? Through one of the families we had presented to our first founding team members. We did not know them, but God provided help and confidence at the perfect time when they added a second family and began the process of an ambitious 2022 opening. However, God had other plans. Our, our founding family had reservations about the ambitious start date and stepped back from the process. I had to make a critical decision uh, to trust the, that that was wisdom from the Lord. See, he was listening to the people that came to him that says it's too, it's too fast. So they pushed the date back to 2023 and they returned to the process. And it was all in God's perfect plan that we were able to apply to the Hillside College curriculum. Even in that process, we saw the hand of God moving. As we submitted applications, God brought us generous donations from His people. Wow. Especially from BLF. Good for you. And we met our initial fundraising goals the day before applications were due. Talk about faith. That is a growing and stretching of faith if I've ever heard it. Of course, even now as we scour the county looking for location, God is providing. We were turned down this week for what I considered a number one location, but I reflected on that. That was the problem. It was my number one location. In the two days since, um, he has provided multiple other building options, and it just goes from there to this school's going to open. Praise God. Thank you. This school is going to open. I want you to be on the lookout um, also, because I know many of you have already stepped into full time ministries. You have your calling and you're working in them. But keep on the lookout for your partner and successor. Moses had Joshua. Elijah had Elisha. Paul had Timothy and some others. You need to be looking for who else. They're, your calling may be their calling. And I've asked Pam to close us. Pam, you can come on up. But before she does close us out in prayer today, the Lord's put it on my heart. You know, it's a privilege to stand in front of people and to have your voice recorded and to say the name of Jesus. And I know that when He's speaking right now, He's telling me to tell you He loves you. There's so, so much witness to how much He loves you. He died for you. He took your punishment upon Himself so that you could live forever in joy. Nothing is going to matter in your life if you don't accept Jesus Christ. You're going to spend 80 years on this planet. And it won't amount to anything in eternity without the Lord Jesus Christ. He stands. He stands at the door and knocks. And if you hear Him, today is the day of salvation.